This is MPB News. Hi, this is Ashley Norwood. Thanks for checking out the At Issue podcast. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, or leave a comment. Subscribe to this and other MPB News productions, like Mississippi Edition, to stay up to date. Don't forget to tell your friends about us, too. You can also watch At Issue on MPB TV, Friday nights at 7.30, or on mpbonline.org. Thanks for listening. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Wilson Stribling. Welcome to another edition of At Issue, where we discuss and debate the issues facing the state of Mississippi and how these issues impact you. Lawmakers are nearing the final week of the 2021 legislative session. This week, they began meeting behind closed doors to conference and finalize details on several measures the two chambers could not agree on. In conference are hallmark 2021 legislative efforts, such as the House's income tax phase-out plan and the Senate's medical marijuana program. If conferees in the Senate and House do not reach an agreement on such measures by the deadline this weekend, the measures will die, at least for the current session. Earlier this week, the Senate passed a resolution to establish a study committee to look into the state's tax structure. The committee could begin studying the matter as early as this summer. At a state tourism event in Jackson this week, Lieutenant Governor Tel Delbert Hoseman talked about the resolution. I'm pleased that the House brought that up. It was on our agenda for the Senate for this summer. Uh, some provisions of the plan, as you know, we didn't want to raise people's taxes and the tax swap bill raised some people's taxes. And there were a couple, there were other things I didn't think were completely uh, thought out through that process. Uh, we're committed to going into a study group and that's been introduced in the Senate. You'll see us working hard, I think, on looking at all the tax uh, parts, how, how the best have the minimal amount of money spent on government and the maximum stay in taxpayers' pockets. Attending that same event was House Speaker Philip Gunn. He defends the plan to phase out state income taxes for all Mississippians over at least 10 years. He tells Ad Issue producer Ashley Norwood he's disappointed in the Senate. We think that plan is a solid plan. It's been out there for a month. Many people have looked at it, analyzed it. We've got a number of economists that have come out and given it a thumbs up. I think uh, from what I can tell, there's been very little uh, wrong with it. There have been very few people that have looked at it and said, hey, here's a real major problem. So in our view, it's a solid plan. It's certainly a solid point from which to work. I think it is a workable plan, and I think it's going to provide the foundation for in income tax elimination in the future. Disappointed that we were not able to sit down and, and have those discussions, but it doesn't mean the issue's going away. We're going to continue to fight for it. I uh, had 90 members of my house vote for it. It is a strong statement. It's a bipartisan statement. It's good for Mississippi. We're going to continue to fight and, and work towards eliminating income tax in the state. I know earlier this week the Senate did pass a resolution to establish a study committee, and I guess some people are wondering, does that mean that it's, it's a wrap for the plan this session? Well, I, I, clearly that's an indication on their part that they have no intention of taking it up. So we're, we're obviously disappointed with that, but we're just going to keep working. 
Jamison Taylor of the conservative think tank Mississippi Center for Public Policy tells MPB's Desiree Fraser the House tax proposal may not pass the legislature this year, but he says a last minute agreement between the House and Senate could happen in these final days. You know, on the one hand, that this issue has been studied quite a bit because we do have examples like North Carolina and other states as to how to do this. And certainly, I mean, this is not the first time that the speaker has mentioned the idea of eliminating the income tax. He, he and the fact, governor does support eliminating it, too. The, the governor does support it. But in fact, the speaker worked on this idea, I think it was about six years ago now. Uh, so, I mean, this has been something that the speaker has been carefully looking at for quite some time. Uh, you know, at the same time, I can understand that the Lieutenant Governor wants to look at this a little bit more carefully. We've seen Josh Harkins, the Senate Finance Chairman, said that he wants to look at it more carefully. Our state economist is very well respected. People wanna hear what he has to say. One feature of the Mississippi legislature, the session, is that it just goes so quickly. It, it is really hard to study these complex issues. Uh, you know, but at the same time, we're seeing the legislature that um, they may be going home a little bit early. They want to save some days uh, so that they can come back into town and figure out what to do with some of the federal COVID money. It may be that, uh, you know, maybe they should study this issue over the summer and come back in August and pass a good tax plan. We have voters for better or for worse. They they elected Republicans as governor, lieutenant governor, and uh, in the House, there's a majority of members in the House, and they have a Republican speaker. Uh, voters are expecting uh, their leaders to work together and to get on the same page. And I think voters do want tax relief. They do want a tax cut. So the question is, how do we arrive at that at that right balance for Mississippi families and for Mississippi businesses? So yeah, let's keep talking about it. That's not to say something won't pass in the next week or so. You know, I've, I've been doing this for a long time and seen a lot of crazy sessions. Uh, and this session, it's probably not any crazier than any of the others. Uh, so I can't predict exactly what's going to happen. Something could pass this week. It looks like they are going to take more time to talk about it. A medical marijuana bill is also among measures in conference this week, despite criticism from supporters of Initiative 65. That initiative will be before the state Supreme Court next month because of a challenge to the signature collections that got it on the ballot. Senate lawmakers say the effort to pass legislation creating a medical marijuana program is a backstop should the court strike down the initiative that voters overwhelmingly approved. But Ken Newberger, founder of the Mississippi Medical Marijuana Association, tells at issue producer Ashley Norwood. He thinks legislators should leave the issue alone. Medical marijuana is now a topic that people realize the people of Mississippi have voted for, they want it, and it's something that they really need to take seriously. Um, however, I think that it's really sad that this is getting pushed, that we already voted last year. We don't need a backstop. Um, there's really no, nothing can thwart the will of the people. And so I, I don't understand why this is happening. What do, you, what do you think this says to uh, those who worked on the Initiative 65 campaign, voters who voted? Uh, what are you hearing from them about, you know, the conversations going on at the Capitol about a program? So I'll tell you exactly what I'm hearing from people that I met through the Initiative 65 campaign, just everyday voters. They've come to me, they've come to other people who have worked on the Initiative 65 campaign and said, what was the point in voting? You know, why, why did we vote if this year they're going to pass a program different than what we asked for last year? 
So some key points about Initiative 65 that are unique for, for it as opposed to any other programs that have been talked about this year is Initiative 65 is solely regulated by the Department of Health. It is a Mississippi ballot initiative that was started by Mississippians for Mississippians. It's a completely free market program, and that would be the ideal of what everybody asked for last year. And how does that compare to what lawmakers are working on? Well, there are a lot of hang-ups in what lawmakers are working on, um, a lot of patient access problems that you know, would limit patients across the state from getting access to the medical marijuana that they really want, uh, as well as it would be a lot of higher barriers to entry for businesses here in the state. In the final days of the session, members of the House and Senate are also negotiating criminal justice reform bills. Mississippi ranks second in the nation for its high rate of imprisonment. Last year, Governor Tate Reeves vetoed the legislature's comprehensive criminal justice reform bill that focused on parole. Republican Daniel Sparks of Belmont is vice chair of the Senate Corrections Committee. He says Senate Bill 2795 is another effort to expand earned parole eligibility in the state. Eligibility does not equal release. The parole board still has a job to do, particularly as it relates to violent crimes. We give the victim a right to be heard, not a notice, a right to be heard at the parole hearing or in some manner, they don't have to attend, they can reach out. The sheriff, uh, the law enforcement agency, the DA's office, they are welcome to solicit the parole board to say we, do, we don't want you to grant parole even though this person's eligible. So this is not a release bill. I've tried to be very clear. Uh, all of our efforts are to motivate better behavior, something the Department of Corrections can use to, yes, give people a second chance, but it's not giving them a second chance. They're earning that second chance. To be honest with you, the chambers have worked well together on this because we went through this last year. Uh, we listened to the governor in the uh, veto message and some of the things that he had concerns with. We tried to address that. Chairman Barnett has reached out repeatedly uh, to the governor's staff and, and to the governor, and, and they've been involved in this process. Uh, at the end of the day, we may not, and we certainly won't, we will not have a bill that everybody's going to hold hands and say this is the perfect bill, but we're trying to pass good policy, and, and I, I do appreciate the chairman uh, and all the parties who have worked together. We have met repeatedly in the last year. Uh, they have been doing work before I got here. You know, this is this is my first term, second year. Uh, but this is a continuation of work that Senator Barnett, Senator Wiggins, and others on this end have done, and, and folks on the other end certainly have worked hard as well. And uh, we, you know, we believe we've got a very good bill. I have. Uh, I, I'm confident we have addressed a lot of the issues that some of our members have because public safety is number one. We always understand that. We want to have a good public safety bill, but it's also important to have a good policy that these are Mississippians, most of them, who are going to come out of MDOC at some point. So the programming piece needs to be in place, but the opportunity to perform while incarcerated so that you can earn parole eligibility is something that we believe is very valuable. Mississippi's vaccine rollout is surpassing new benchmarks this week as the state tops 1 million doses of coronavirus vaccines. More than 720,000 people in Mississippi have gotten at least one shot. More than 400,000 have been fully vaccinated against the coronavirus in Mississippi. 
You can schedule a vaccine appointment by visiting covidvaccine.umc.edu or by calling 877-978-6453. During a press conference outside a drive-through vaccination site in Rankin County, Governor Tate Reeves said the one million shot milestone is significant, but he recognizes there will be hurdles along the way to two million. While today marks a major milestone of one million shots, we're not yet out of this fight. In fact, we know that the next million shots are going to be harder to get than the last million. They're going to be harder to get because of vaccine hesitancy. We have vaccine hesitancy in, in our state just like we see all around the nation. I want you to know, many of you saw me, I've taken the vaccine. My family has taken the vaccine. Many great physicians and community leaders around the state have taken the vaccine. And so in the coming weeks and months, we're going to continue to urge our fellow Mississippians to do just that, to take the vaccine themselves. I think you'll see us talk about the details as to why we believe that this is the right course of action for all Mississippians. Today, the Mississippi Department of Health is reporting 268 new cases of COVID-19 and 11 additional deaths. That brings the totals in Mississippi to more than 300,000 cases and nearly 7,000 deaths since March of last year. The state health officer, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, says the state has come a long way in the effort to lower the rate of COVID-19 infection. We've come so far for a few very simple reasons. We are here now because We've seen a phenomenal immunization effort, and we see that most of Mississippians over 65 and a growing percentage of Mississippians over 50 are vaccinated and protected. We know that they're much less likely to have severe disease and much, much less likely to go to the hospital or to die. So that's phenomenally important. But also, and I'm so very proud of my fellow Mississippians, that as we have added to our immunization stronghold, of, of protection, we've continued to wear masks in public. Not because we have to, but because, because we know it's the right thing to do. So please, continue to do the simple things that we know prevent outbreaks, wear a mask in public, and avoid large indoor social gatherings. We know that it's much more safe to be outside, and certainly we've expanded access to sporting events outdoors, but still, for now, please follow common sense precautions. So let's get straight to the point now with views from both sides of the aisle. Brandon Jones is an attorney and former Democratic member of the House. Austin Barber is a national Republican strategist and founder of the Clearwater Group. Good to have both of you back on the desk this week. Well, let's start with uh, tax reform. This is an issue that we first uh, heard about from the governor during his State of the State address. Uh, there have been lots of uh, there's been lots of debate and discussion about it. Now it's in conference. Austin, is it dead? Um, probably so. You know, nothing is dead until they sign and die and they go home. Um, Brandon has been ex experienced four years of that. I've realized that nothing's dead, dead until they actually go home. But I think it, 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 it appears that way. I, I will tell you, though, um, I go back to this point. Um, the speaker deserves a lot of credit for getting 
uh, the ball rolling on a serious conversation and discussion and debate about income tax reform. Uh, It's clear I've had conversations with with Republicans on both sides uh, of the Capitol, in the House and the Senate, and they want income tax reform. They want tax reform. And that's a good thing. We just got to have to have a discussion about what's the best pathway to get there. Um, And there's no agreement on that now. But I know that Senator Harkins has a bill that came out that says the Senate's going to put together a study committee with the House. They're going to look at this summer. And hopefully that means, you know, next year they'll come forward and we'll really get something done. But again, the speaker does deserve some credit for for pushing this this year. Well, you've given the speaker credit. I'll give the lieutenant governor credit. I I think taking a breather, taking a look at this, making sure that we understand the impact it would have on the state. Because, you know, there again, we all like the sound of not paying taxes. Sounds great. But then you have all these things you want your state to do, like maintain roads and have public schools and have hospital programs. And so I think that Lieutenant Governor Hoseman is being prudent and sharp by saying, even even by the own admission of, of the analyst who we heard from a moment ago, let's take a minute. Let's take a look at this. This is a short period of time to wrestle with a major sea change in how we do our economy. So. You know, I, I think it's good that we're taking a break and going to look at it, and I look forward to that discussion over the summer. Yeah, and you know, Josh Harkins, um, who's a friend, and he's the chairman of the Finance Committee in the Senate, uh, I know that he wants to make sure this is something that's best for the state of Mississippi, and he wants to make sure it's the most conservative plan that, and uh, the most conservative plan that he feels will work for, um, will obviously will, will work for taxpayers in the state of Mississippi. Um, and But look, I Again, it's it's a great day when we're when we're having a real debate on tax reform, and if that leads to the summer and, and more serious conversations and and more detail of understanding what's the best way uh, to eliminate um, income tax or whatever it is, that, that, that that's okay. That's that's not the worst thing in the world. I'm laughing because you said the most conservative. I mean, just get the right plan. Just, there's a lot of ways to cut this. I think the most obvious thing we should do to change taxes is cut that grocery tax in half. So maybe they'll come out. Of committee with that, yeah. Brandon, you mentioned the lieutenant governor. He, he's put a lot of energy behind the medical marijuana bill. Why has it struggled so much to gain traction uh, in the legislature? We have been scratching our heads on this program. You know, Austin and I, we like to think of ourselves as being fairly connected. We talk to legislators every day. We talk to the folks you see in these screens every day. Our producer talks to them. Desiree talks to them. I mean, Wilson, you interview. We like to think we know what we're talking about. It is still one of the biggest mysteries of this session as to why the lieutenant governor has pushed an alternative medical marijuana program, which to me seems politically dumb and legislatively strange. And so I I really don't understand that brinksmanship on that issue. Um, So, Wilson, I don't know, but it looks like it has finally reached a merciful death. Well, I think it's like the tax plan. It's not dead until it's dead, um, until they sign and die. But, but we'll, we'll ultimately see. Uh, yeah, I, I, I will say that the, um, the lieutenant governor has said that he, he, would, he would want a, a trigger in the bill that says only uh, this only goes into place if the Supreme Court rules uh, Initiative 65 unconstitutional. But look, the reality is there's not enough votes in the House. And that is a bipartisan effort between Republicans and Democrats in the House who simply do not want to do this, who do not want to vote on this bill, who want to let the Department of Health go do their job, which voters said, hey, go start a medical marijuana program in Mississippi. And that's what the Department of Health is doing right now. They're working to, you know, come up with the rules and the regulations and to set that program up. And but again, there's just not enough votes in the House for this to happen.
And this is all pending that Supreme Court decision that we await uh, as well in the coming months. Let's talk about the uh, Medicaid. We call it the tech bill, which is essentially the bill that uh, reestablishes the program for, for another period of time. Uh, why let that bill, which is necessary to continue the program, why let that die? Well, I mean, that's a question. I don't think they ever really want to let anything die over there. Um, but obviously, and I don't know the details of this, there's not a, there's not a consensus between uh, conferees in the House and the Senate uh, or the chairman of the Medicaid committee in the House and the Senate on whatever the specific issues are that, they, that they're, they're disagreeing with. Of course, what will happen is if this bill does not pass, uh, it will allow the governor to control um, to run some portion of the division of Medicaid. Is that 100%? Is that 50%? Uh, that, is, that is yet to be determined. No one really knows what, what, what may happen. Now, if they don't pass a Medicaid tech bill uh, in the last few days, and I don't know if the last few days means three days or five days or six days, um, but if they don't, the governor could call them back uh, in a special session to deal with that part. I, I think it's super important, though. I am confident that the leadership in the House and the Senate and the governor, no one is going to let recipients of Medicaid uh, go without um, the services that they, that they receive from Medicaid or the vendors who provide those services. So I, I'm confident those people will be protected while a deal um, is getting worked out. Yeah, I think it was Senator Bryant who told us that it was fractious over there at the legislature, <laughs> that folks were mad and having a hard time agreeing on anything. You know, Austin, this is a failure. You, you, they, there's some things, like everybody has a right to disagree. That's part of the process. You have a right to battle it out. That's part of the process. But at the end of the day, there are certain things that we look to government to figure out. And certainly the, having the Medicaid program intact with some type of enabling legislation is one of those things. And so you can always disagree, but within the boundaries of reaching a Landing point. So I think this is a failure. You can be disagreeable, you can fight, but at the end of the day, you got to keep the car on the road. And by and so I, I think you're right. We'll get there, but there again, this is the type of thing that ought to be a number one on your priority list coming out of the session. And they missed it. And they may still get it done. I mean, I, I don't know for sure that it's not going to happen. Brandon doesn't know for sure that it's not going to happen. They still have they still have uh, days left to 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 get a uh, to reach a consensus on the on the Medicaid tech bill. So we'll see. There are a number of criminal justice reform uh, bills that are in conference. Brandon, is there should we expect any of those to to come out of conference and and stay alive? Yeah, I, I think so. There, I think of all the bills in conference, criminal justice reform is the, the biggest number of bills. You have one on jail census data. You have one on, uh, you know, release programs and how we do that. We have ones on habitual laws. But parole is the big one because if you guys will remember, Senate Bill 2123 passed last year. It was vetoed by the governor. And, you know, we know that we have a problem in Mississippi. We're spending too much money on this program. Our facilities are not where they need to be. We look across the state line at Alabama, they're getting hit with a billion dollar federal government order to get things in order. And, and Austin, we can't afford that. Um, there's an executive, there's a, there's a poll and, and some findings that are making their way around the Capitol now by the Rounds Consulting Group. This was put by forward.us groups that advocate around these issues. And what it says is we could save over a billion dollars over the next few decades if we were to bring our parole eligibility in line with surrounding states. 
And so that's huge. I mean, a billion, you know, a billion dollars in the other way than what Alabama's doing into the state coffers rather than away from them. So it really is a huge economic issue. And this, this report says also they can easily predict at least 1% in job growth, which sounds marginal, but when you think about how big those numbers are, it's a, it's a, it, that represents thousands of jobs. And so I think, Wilson, this is something we've got to get right. We've got to find that formula that the legislature can pass and, of course, that the governor can sign. Yeah, I, I particularly agree with the last point Brandon made. I'm confident that the governor um, agrees that we need parole reform. Essentially, what he's looking for is to see the variables that come out. The formula, as Brandon described it, that come out in whatever the agreement is between the House and the Senate, um, um, corrections, chairmen of, of those committees, and which, which I, I think which will revolve around, okay, how much time must, you, much, must someone serve before they come up uh, for parole. And look, I, I think it is, um, I think it's really important if we think about what Senator Sparks said during his interview, he said, listen, this doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be granted parole. This means you get the opportunity to come in front of the parole board and get a chance to have a hearing um, in a quicker manner than the way the law states right now. So that is a super important part of this to understand. I think last year the governor was concerned about um, the types of violent criminals who may have an opportunity for uh, a parole hearing, and, and that was why he vetoed the bill last year. But uh, there seems to be bipartisan support uh, for this bill, but of course the particulars and the details will ultimately decide whether they come to an agreement and one that the governor can support, Brandon. Yeah, we talk about bipartisan stuff a lot. I just wanted to note, Wilson, this is a real instance of that. You heard uh, Senator Sparks a moment ago keep referring to the chairman. He's talking about Senator Juan Barnett, a Democrat, and there's been no daylight between the two of them, which I think is a great thing for the state. They're, they're truly in lockstep working together. On the other end of the chamber, you've got Republican Kevin Horan working on this issue. So, I mean, it's been interesting to watch a true bipartisan bipartisan working relationship, and, and these, are, these are huge issues, I would say, Austin, after some of the Medicaid and health care issues that we talk about, figuring out what we're going to do with our prison system is a big one. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we got, <clears throat> you got about 30 seconds to tell me what you think uh, we should expect in the remaining days. And when do you think they will actually be finished at the Capitol? Um, they'll be finished sometime early next week. The remaining few days, they're going to be focused on the appropriations bills. They're going to be focused on the bond bill, to what degree the bond bill um, will, will cover. Obviously, universities, state agencies who have, you know, annual requests. Uh, are very important for the legislature to take care of. And then, of course, infrastructure projects, roads, sewers, bridges, uh, back home for, for legislators. I mean, those are all decisions uh, that the House and the Senate will be working on these last few days. What do you think we can expect, Brandon? Why would I know? I'm, I'm in the vast minority. We, we will know uh, once the viewers at home get the get the news. Yeah, and I have to say this, Wilson. I have to say, happy birthday to Sam Olden. He turns 102 years old this week. This man is an American hero who lives in Yazoo City, Mississippi. So, Mr. Olden, Sam Olden, you're a great guy. We love you. Happy birthday and keep watching. Happy birthday. Uh, Brandon, we try to say balance. Do you need to say happy birthday to anybody? <laughs> I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Maybe next week as we uh, as we wrap things up here on uh, at issue we are out of time for tonight's program don't forget you can watch us online or listen to the podcast at mpbonline.org for day-to-day -day coverage follow mpb news on twitter and facebook we thank you for joining us have a good night
Thanks for listening to the At Issue podcast from MPB News. If you haven't already, subscribe to get new episodes weekly. And don't forget to like, rate, and leave a review. You can also stay in touch with MPB News on Twitter and Facebook. For daily news, check out the Mississippi Edition podcast. Thanks for listening.